0: this is education matters brought to you by the ohio education association thank you for joining us for another episode of education matters another chance for us to take a deeper look at some of the big issues facing our schools educators and ohio's 1.7 million public school students I'm Katie Olmsted, part of the communications team for the Ohio Education Association, which represents more than 120,000 K-12 teachers, education support professionals, and higher ed faculty members in the state. Our members are dedicated to their students' success and growth, even while dealing with hugely challenging circumstances. Take for example, the engineering and design teacher at Hannah Ashton Middle School in the Reynoldsburg City School District in an Eastern suburb of Columbus. After years as the soil lab innovation teacher at the STEM middle school at Baldwin Road Junior High in Reynoldsburg, he moved to Hannah Ashton in the fall in the middle of the pandemic to develop a maker space for the students there. So how do you begin to teach such a hands-on course when most students' hands have been at home doing remote learning for most of the year. We asked Rob Niedermeyer to explain. Rob, thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Education Matters. This is the first year for you at your new building in the district, and it's the first year for really a new passion project with these maker spaces that you've been talking about. What is that?
1: So Makerspace is our new shop classes. It, is, it uses uh, your traditional shop tools, but also now we have our digital design tools where kids can create things with super accuracy and preciseness that they would not have been able to make before. So things like a laser cutter. We have a CNC wood cutting machine. We have our 3D printers and our vinyl cutters. It's another design class that gets the kids hands on and creating physical products.
0: What kind of projects can they make with those tools?
1: So, our 3D printers, there's a whole, I mean, you can pr- practically 3D print anything. One of the specific products uh, we've been working on right now is we are working to liven up all of our halls uh, here at Hannah Ashton. I took a tour with my kids, and one of the things they notice is the walls are painted nice, but they're fairly bare, uh, especially with the whole virtual hybrid COVID situation right now. So we have taken it upon ourselves to uh, actually create vinyl wall arts with our vinyl cutter. We are also creating new teacher name plaques out of small PVC panels on the CNC machine that are tailored to that teacher and their likes. So we are really focusing on design for somebody else and not just design to make our own little trinket.
0: And then I have to assume the focus is also on future skills. How do these skills translate to job skills in the future?
1: All of these skills, I think I really focus more on the soft skills here, the the critical thinking, the problem solving. It's great to know how to use a laser cutter, but I think I'm more I'm more interested, can they actually problem solve if they don't know what's happening? If they have a mistake in their design, if they ha- if the machine isn't working correctly, how can they problem solve and use the resources that they have to get that machine up and running again to actually make their physical product. Creating their physical product is great. They love actually seeing it. But for me, the best part is that seeing them work through the process of actually getting to the end product.
0: I remember shop class from when I was in school, we called it tech ed back then. How is it different now? I mean, obviously we have very modern tools, but is it a different focus as well?
1: The focus here is again, really about the design cycle and starting and finishing your product, getting through that entire process from conception, imagination to your physical product and sh- actually sharing it out with all the stakeholders, whether that's uh, the teacher you're designing your name plaque for or the grade level that you're designing wall art for. So it's again, it's the same the same set of soft skills as you would have done in your old school shop, but now with with a digital thumbprint.
0: I was not particularly good at shop class. I tried hard, but I was—I'm just not good at those kind of things. But I was so proud of the things I made. Do you see that with your students? Do you see that aha moment when they have sorted out their problem and, and they're on the right path?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think one of the biggest one of the biggest things I found this year, uh, especially with COVID, is like you said—you rem- you remember your project. You remember what you created. Right, You remember having that thing physically in your hand. Obviously this year with COVID, it's been a whole lot different. We've been virtual. There was a spot about a month or so around Halloween and that hybrid ended right before Thanksgiving. So that Friday before Thanksgiving, we went back to all virtual. And then from there up until after winter break, we were all virtual. So this past couple of weeks, we've finally been back to, been back to a hybrid model. We're currently running um, both hybrid kids and virtual kids in the class. So I have my kids in front of me and then the other kids are up on my Zoom screen. So I actually have both sets during the day. Um, so one of the ways I've been working around that is the kids working at home, I am then their hands here. So they send me all of their files, they send me all of their designs and I just take those in the machine and hit prints. Prior to winter break, I then played delivery driver after school each day and dropped a couple products off at at their houses. And you could just see the kids looking through the window, waving at you. They were super excited to actually have that physical product in your hand. Um, They had seen it through the the Zoom lens. Um, They actually watched it. We have cameras on some of our devices. So they actually watched it get cut on some of the devices and get it printed on there. But when you actually have that physical product in your hand that they created, um, you can just see the energy coming through them from them through their through their window.
0: Let's talk about what COVID has done to the school year. Um, you've been virtual, you've been hybrid, and you've been a lot of both.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely thrown a, uh, a lot of curveballs at us, uh, a lot of rethinking how we're doing things. The, again, the, the biggest problem was how are we going to take a class that is 90% hands-on with tools and other pieces of equipment and do that in a virtual world? Luckily, the, the tools we have, we've been able to find software that the kids can actually use on their Chromebooks at home. Um, and then they can, like I said, they can send those files to me. And uh, either I or some of the hybrid kids here, they will then be the hands and hit press play on those machines. So it's been a lot of rethinking how we're doing things. It's been a lot of looking at what projects I want to do and how can we do that in a digital world.
0: Did you imagine when you decided to sign up for this new role that this would be the world we're living in right now?
1: I knew, I kind of knew what I got into because this was a last minute decision for me. This, uh, I joined the team here at Hannah Ashton right before school started so i already had an idea what school was going to look like with covid i just then had to figure out how i was going to how i was going to run that (laughs) and it it took i think my first couple projects were not as successful as i liked it would have liked them to but i think that's the biggest uh any teacher really getting into pbl and getting into any kind of new innovative design whether it's a new innovative process or if it's just new to them, one of the first things they really need to do is is learn how to fail. Take what you've done. If it doesn't work, figure out what worked with it, figure out what didn't, and then then go from there. So there was a lot of adjustment and fine-tuning kind of on the fly on my end.
0: Well, I love the way that you talk about learning to teach this course, the same way you talk about the skills that your students get from this course. Learning to fail is a big part of that. The problem solving is a big part of that. Have you found any surprising opportunities from this non-traditional teaching environment you found yourself in
1: a great opportunity with all these great virtual tools is we now have the ability to communicate and collaborate with schools and students and experts anywhere across the world we i'm currently in the process of working with a uh, a former colleague of mine to, to design some projects. She's now in a, in a completely different district running her makerspace there. I was working with, some, with a teacher over at Baldwin uh, to collaborate between our building and their building on a project. Uh, so kids are no longer limited to who's in their class. They're no longer limited to the teacher directly in front of them. We have, we have Zoom, we have Meets, we have all the other different video conferencing software that we can access anybody. From anywhere in the world. So that's been an amazing opportunity.
0: You are no stranger to developing new practices and programs, though. Before you moved to Hannah Ashton Middle School, you created the Soil Lab over at STEM Middle in your same district. Talk to me about your work there.
1: At my last school, at Baldwin Road Middle School here in Reynoldsburg, I was running our urban agriculture and environmental science lab. We call it our Soil Lab. It was a uh, it was a space that we had in the building that was developed with a previous grant, but it had been going unused. So we actually created a, a science-based elective course uh, that, again, was extremely hands-on, uh, focused on things like environmental stewardship and things like uh, food security for our kids.
0: So where was that program when you got your hands on it? How did you build it out like that?
1: That program, it was, it was used as an after-school club. Um, And it was fairly underutilized at the time when I had joined the team there. And we wanted to really use it as a, as a space uh, and get every student in there. Cause at the time with clubs, you only get, you only get a few students into each club. So with a couple of conversations from the admin team um, we started off slow and we started off as a, as a one class rotation. And then from there, it just grew and grew and grew. Uh, And at the time last year, I had a, uh, I had a full roster, a full caseload of kids coming through there. I think I, saw almost every single kid come through that space, every student come through that the soil lab in one year. So it's been an amazing experience to start something from scratch.
0: Did it surprise you to see that grow? I, I have to imagine you had, you had big dreams when you were starting, but did you see this developing into what it became?
1: So I didn't really know where it was gonna go. And I didn't have any preconceived notions of where I wanted it to go. Uh, my philosophy is I want the kids to, deci- to decide that. So most of the projects that you would have seen, whether it's our greenhouse aquaponics system, our indoor aquaponics system that were there, most of that was all uh, initiated, thought of and designed by the students. Uh, I just tended to be the, uh, the facilitator of all of those projects and guiding them to the right answers and showing them the proper tool usage and how we can actually get those built and then use them in an appropriate way. Uh, so everything you see there and pretty much what I'm starting here at Anna Ashton is, is kind of running the same way. Uh, I want the kids to be the ones driving this classroom, driving this space. It's their school. I want them to take charge of it. So, yes, it definitely was a, a completely different set of tools that we're using. But again, some of the skill sets were the same. Problem solving. Our plants aren't growing correctly. Well, let's see what, let's see what we need to test to find out what we need to change. And just constant observation of the things around us. So a lot of the, the again, a lot of the soft skills were the same. We did have a, that STEM middle school has a makerspace in there as well, and we I would collaborate with the teacher in that makerspace, and we would do some cross curricular, cross space projects. So I'm not new to any of these tools. The focus now is strictly on the ones here.
0: But it also immerses them in a world that I don't think they'd probably have a lot of access to otherwise. I have to say, when I think of Reynoldsburg, agriculture is not the first word that springs to my head. Why have your students take part in a program like that?
1: So with Reynoldsburg, you have a very diverse, extremely diverse community. Say so you don't mean, you don't think of agriculture in Reynoldsburg, but the Ohio Department of Agriculture is actually located in Reynoldsburg. But most of the students that I had at Baldwin, a lot of them were coming from apartments and they haven't done much gardening and they haven't done... Uh, much outdoors, and so when they start start something from a seed and actually grow something, grow their own produce that we can then drop off at the Heart Food Bank, they were just extremely excited to to see that process from start to finish.
0: Do you think it in any way shaped their view of the world to see how their food is grown?
1: Absolutely, I think it, it definitely made them more aware of um, the not only cultural differences of food. But some of the social economic ramifications of food and food deserts, um, that's definitely one of the, the pieces we focus on is we, we look at their food culture, other people, other people's food culture. We would look at uh, where in Central Ohio are there any food deserts? Where in Reynoldsburg are there currently food deserts? And then we would look at how to, uh, how to problem solve that. One of the last projects we did was to upgrade our greenhouse and have a hydroponic system working in the greenhouse that could run year round uh in march when everything shut down we had just gotten it up and running so i was taking during that time i was using about one one or two days a week to come back into the school to tend to that because we had produce coming and then we eventually had the problem of we have all this produce where does it go Uh, And so our our conversations in the spring with our kids, we decided that's all going to go to some of the local food banks. And obviously, we know what's what's happening to the lines there with, with the current COVID situation.
0: Of course, your work. Uh, developing that program and and all that you've done has earned you quite a bit of attention in education circles. In 2019, you were the District 9 Teacher of the Year that made you a finalist for the Department of Education's 2020 Ohio Teacher of the Year competition. Uh, You were also named the middle school winner for the Columbus Parent This Week Community News 2018 Teachers of the Year. What did those awards mean to you? And more importantly, what did that mean for the experience you were able to bring to your students?
1: So, as far as the experience, let's talk about that. It obviously opens opened me up to a whole new world of people I can talk with uh, and collaborate with, and that's been amazing. the The entire uh, Ohio Teacher of the Year cohort, um, all the district, all the district winners there, um, and everybody at Ohio Department of Education has been an amazing resource to chat and talk with and share ideas. Uh, as far as what it means to me, obviously I, I'm humbled by it. Um, i originally wasn't going to going to apply for the ohio teacher of the year i was nominated i had my i had my nom- nomination uh and then from there you go through the application process and i let my students know that i've been nominated i really wasn't sure if i was to that caliber um if i even deserved that and they were the ones who persuaded me to go and fill out the application they because i'm always harping on them to finish what they start and get their work done they then turned my own words back on me and forced me to to complete that whole process. So I, I promised them that no matter where I start or finish, that I was going to see the entire process through. And uh, it was a, it was an amazing journey. Met some amazing people through that whole process and still meeting amazing people through that process.
0: And now what's next? What are your dreams for your makerspace now? What's your next big project?
1: <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know. Um, I really want to get this... Innovation Lab here at Hannah Ashton established. This would be the first year this place is up and running. Um, I think we're doing some great things with the kids here through virtual and hybrid. Uh, I can't wait to see what they actually do when they come back in and we can get full hands on deck and really get dive into um, some of these, some of the projects here. I have my biggest goal right now is to have them transform this in this school into a school that into their vision start designing it, making things for it that they want to see at this space. So that's my vision right now for for that, for my kids in this new space.
0: And continue to pick up those soft skills along the way, right? Exactly. Well, Rob, thank you so much for joining us on Education Matters and thank you for sharing your perspective with us.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
0: To see photos of Rob Niedermeyer's Makerspace classroom, the soil lab and the projects his students have been working on, check out the link in the show notes. And make sure you subscribe to Education Matters to get new episodes every week. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this episode or what you'd like to hear on Education Matters in the future, email me at educationmatters at ohea.org. You can also connect with the Ohio Education Association on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for at OhioEA on each platform. Thank you again for joining us for this installment of Education Matters. Until next time, stay well.